Thank you for joining us for this message from Cornerstone Community Church in Lynchburg, Virginia. And now let's join our guest speaker. We have a special guest speaker this morning. His name is Steve Booker. And he brought um, uh, not quite all of his clan with him. His wife Kelly's here and three children. They have five. Uh, so three are here. So that's good. And uh, Steve and Kelly and family go to Grace Church, Southern Pines. Uh, Steve is like an assistant worship leader there. Is that right? And um, he has and his family are making a have made the trip up here, obviously, to be a blessing to us. Uh, thanks to Randy Thornton and Randy helping us out with our speaking schedule. So we are excited to have Mr. Steve Booker. So give God a hand for him. Amen. Thank you, sir. Well, it is good to be here. I think I did this correctly. Yep. Awesome. It is good to be here. We've uh, looked forward to it. And um, I do have a loud mouth, so you may want to cut that down in just a minute. (laughs) You'll get that in a second. But, man, wasn't worship awesome? I tell you what. Yes. Amen. That was a blessing. I don't know if you know this or not, but my crew loves to worship. We, we enjoy it. We like it. We like going to a place that, that enjoys it and that gets in it. And uh, we believe God's worthy of it, right? Amen. And uh, he's worthy of all of our praise. And I just thank you for the good spirit here today. And uh, it is a pleasure to be here. I was going to open with a joke, but they said my dad jokes are terrible. So I'm not going to do that for you guys. You're welcome. You can thank them. Uh, <laughs> They remind me of how old I am. They said you was born in the 1900s. You are way old and um, remind me of that daily. But, hey, it's good to be here. Amen. <laughs> yes, sir. Uh, but if you got your Bibles, Micah chapter number 7 and verse number 8. Um, I won't keep you too long this morning. I Lord laid something on my heart. I just want to share it with you. And uh, trust that it will be a help and a blessing and encouragement. Challenge you a little bit on this life that we're living and um, trust that we can leave a little bit challenged more than we came in. Micah chapter number 7, verse number 8, we'll read that verse in just a second. Uh, some time ago, there was a young businessman in the New York City, and uh, he stepped outside one afternoon, to, it was a nice afternoon, stepped outside on the busy street corner to get some fresh air. Watching the multitudes of people walk by, bumping shoulders, barely can get one foot in front of the other. He looks down the street, and there's an older gentleman coming with a walker. Had to have been in his early 80s, maybe mid-80s. And he thought to himself, he's like, why in the world, after all these years, why is he trying to walk up and down this busy sidewalk? So he's contemplating it while he's thinking. He's like, he's going to fall. He's going to get hurt. What is wrong with this? Why is he doing this? And while he's thinking about it, sure enough, the walker gets stuck on a little bump in the, in the sidewalk, and over he goes. Young man rushes over there, helps him up, fixes his walker for him, gets him started again. He said, can I ask you a question? He said, sure. He said, how come you're out here with multitudes of people bumping into you, and you're with a walker? Why do you choose to walk down this sidewalk? He said, young man, he said, I've been walking down this sidewalk for 80 years. He said, I love walking. He said, I love this city. And I love walking down the street. He said, well, I understand that, sir. He said, but don't you realize the danger that it is? It's dangerous out here for anybody, much less in your condition, that you could fall and get hurt. He said, don't you realize you could fall and really get hurt? And uh, the old man made a statement. He said, you know, my love for walking is greater than my fear of falling. 
And when I read that, it stuck out to me. And it was just like, he said, you see, young man, there's things in life that we enjoy. And if you're going to enjoy your life, then there's going to be some things that you have to do. And he said, if I love walking and that's what I enjoy and that's my life, if doing that means that I might have to fall from time to time, he said, it's worth the fall. That brought me to Micah chapter number seven and verse number eight. This is what Micah said about it. It's up here on the screen. Rejoice not over me, O mine enemy. Watch this. When I fall, I shall rise. When I sit in darkness, the Lord will be a light to me. It stuck out to me that Micah did not say, you know, if I fall. You know, because I'm strong and I'm better than that. He didn't say, you know, uh, you have possibilities there, but that's not going to happen to me like we do most of the time, right? We often think in our heads, we see somebody make a mistake and we're like, yeah, that's them. We're never going to go that far. We're never going to make that kind of mistake. No, Micah said this. I know me well enough to know that I'm going to fall from time to time. But like this older man told the, told the young man, he said, if my love for walking is greater than my fear of falling, I'm going to keep on walking. And Micah said, we're going to fall from time to time, but when I do, I shall arise. Psalms 34, verse number 6, if y'all put that up there, David made this statement in Psalms 34, 6. This poor man cried, the Lord heard him, and saved him out of all of his troubles. David said, there's been troubles in my life. If you, you know much about the story of David, you know David had some falls from time to time. You can read through the Bible and every great person that we teach about in Sunday school or we talk about out on the street and we talk about when we read our Bible, the greatest inspirations to us are people that have gone through failures in their life. I was thinking about this and praying and I began to think about what it would be like to interview a failure, to interview someone who has just failed. To, what would it be like? What would they tell us about failing? And what would they tell us about going through fails and falls in our life? I don't know about you, but if you, uh, if you enjoy failing in life, raise your hand. I didn't think so. <laughs> if you enjoy winning in life, raise your hand. Absolutely. We love winning. We love victories. But you know what makes the victories sweeter? is the falls that we have to go through and the failures we have to go through to get to those victories. And we're going to fail in life. Sometimes that gets so much beat into our brain that if we fail, we might as well stop trying. But we got to keep on going, right? And you know what religion will tell you? Religion will tell you if you fail, you're done. Religion will tell you if you don't succeed in church, then you might as well sit in the back somewhere or not even come because everybody knows what you've done and everybody knows you're a failure and everybody knows your sin, so why even bother? That's what religion says. But Jesus says, when I fall, I shall arise. The Jesus says that we have a reason to keep on going and keep on succeeding because the victories makes it sweeter. There's a few things that I want to talk about, truth about failures, because we're all going to face them, right? Number one, failure is the incubator of creativity. Failure is, in our lives, we look at it as the incubator. It's what's going to grow our creativity. It's one that's going to make us brighter and smarter and better. Number two, failure demands a new way of thinking to solve old problems. Failure, whenever you fail at something, it'll, it'll cause you to look back at things and, and look at it in a different perspective. Nine times out of ten, be better and more successful than you were previous. Failure is an opportunity to improve old ideas. For instance, we get stuck doing the same things the same way. And when a crisis comes, it comes, it forces us to step back, change our viewpoints. Remember this, every great idea was born out of pain, 
devastation or a failure. Failure produces and manifests true leadership. Remember, anybody can lead when good times. True leadership is found during crisis. There's good news when it talks about failure. You say good news. Well, in the kingdom of God, there is. And the best news is in Ecclesiastes 3 when Jesus says, when God begins to tell us that everything, there is a reason and there is a season and a time for every purpose under the heavens. Meaning this, that every test we go through in life is temporary. Every test you face, every problem, every failure you face, it's not going to last forever. That is the good news. Amen. Jesus says that it's going to last for a season. No matter what you're going through in life, it's only for a season. You say, man, you don't understand the struggles I've got. It doesn't matter. It's only for a season. Things are going to change. You say you don't understand the family problems we're going through and the stress in our marriage and our kids are acting crazy. Someone told me, and I've got three teenagers at one time in the house. Pray for me. Hey, Lord, yes. If you don't believe in speaking in tongues, have three teenagers. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Someone once told me the best, most successful way of raising a teenage boy is when he turns 13, put him in a barrel, and shove food through a hole. And when he turns 18, you plug up the hole. I don't know. That's just what I've been told. We haven't done it. but (laughs) But, (laughs) But I will tell you that even when you're facing problems and you say, my kids are acting crazy, it's temporary. It's not going to last forever. So what do we do? We keep on going. What do we do? We keep on praying. What do we do? We keep on talking. We keep on praying. We keep on reading. We keep on pressing in because we know that it's only temporary. We know that what we're facing right now, financial difficulties, it's only temporary. God's got an end at the end of it. God, there is going to be success if we just keep on going. Micah said, remember in 7 verse number 8, when I fall, I shall arise. He knew that the failure was only going to be temporary. If we could just ask one of these guys to come in, maybe today, and have them sitting here on the stool, and we said, you know, tell us about your failure. Let's interview them for a little bit. I would pick out four guys. I know there's tons of people in the Bible, but there's four guys I'd like to talk to, and I'd like to ask them, what could you tell us? What could you help us with? When we feel like we've really blew it, and we feel like we've really messed it up, and we feel like this time we've done it for the last time and there's no hope, what can you help us with? I believe, number one, David, if we talk to him, that David would say to remember your calling. Remember God's original calling on your life. David knew, he learned this fact, that his failure did not change the calling, his calling to be king. That could not be changed. Can I tell you today that your failures in life and things that you go through and struggles and pains and heartaches and heartbreaks does not change the calling that God has on your life and the purpose that God has for your life. I would like to ask Job up here, and I would say, Job, can you tell us a little bit about your life? And no doubt Job lost it all. Job lost his family. He lost his, his finances. He lost his animals. He lost his home. Job lost everything. Job would say this, remember what's most valuable in life. He lost everything, but at the chapter number one, the Bible says that Job worshipped the Lord and he blessed God. I'd like to ask Peter, I don't know about you, Peter's one of my favorite guys in the Bible. Man, he's, he's, he's crazy. I like him. <laughs> I like crazy people, but Peter just was just real. He was just, he was just him. He didn't put on a show for nobody. He didn't try to act like nobody else. He was just himself. And Peter screwed up quite a bit. And he messed up quite a bit. But if we could say, Peter, what would would you say to us? Peter would say, remember your first love. 
Jesus is going away after the cross, after Peter's denied God, after the ultimate failure. He denied the Lord. He denied knowing God. And the Bible says that when Peter went fishing, Jesus has come up from the grave. He's met with a few people and he's sitting out on the shoreline. And he asked Peter, Peter, who do you love? Peter would say, remember, your love, your first love. He screwed up and denied God, but experienced that God's love was greater than God's wrath. God's love for you is greater than any sin that you could ever throw at him. He loves us no matter what. Peter say, remember that. Lastly, I'd like to talk to the prodigal son. And I would say, could you tell us, young man, you grew up with a rich father. You grew up with everything you ever wanted. And he ran away and he sold it all. He was left found in a pig pen. The prodigal son would say, remember this. Remember who you are. Remember your identity. When he come back from the pig pen, you remember the story. He went running up and his father ran out and met him. And Peter, or sorry, but the prodigal son knelt down before his father. And he said, Father, I'm going to bow before you like your servant. And his father said, no, you're not. You're my son. I'm glad to know we can remember that no matter what we do in life, no matter the pig pen situations we get in, our identity with Christ does not change. You say, man, you don't understand what I've done. You don't understand what I've been through. It doesn't matter. There's no limit that you could go that God's love cannot reach you. And God's love does not change. Your identity does not change because of your actions in life. I grew up in South Florida. Don't shoot me or throw tomatoes. I just, how I was. I grew up in South Florida. Um, and uh, very, very different down there. I, I did not grow up in Walt Disney World. And I did not grow up on a beach. That's what we think florida is it's disney or a beach i flew up in i grew up in the heart of florida and uh i grew up in cattle ranches and if you ever go down past walt disney world down towards the everglades you get into a bunch of farms and horse and cattle ranches and um some of them are eighty-five thousand acres plus and uh, i grew up in a home where we did 4-h we did rodeos and and we took care of animals we had a good-sized farm and we had a barn and if you ever grew up around a barn, you know the worst job you could ever have in a barn. And that's cleaning the barn out. I grew up, I got four older sisters. And, uh, of course, my mom and my dad. And so guess who cleaned out the barn? It was the guy. <laughs> he always gets the bad jobs, right? It was a smelly job. Nobody wanted to do it because for hours and hours you'd be wheeling wheelbarrows full of manure and cleaning the barn out. And it was disgusting. It was it was just smelly. Nobody wanted to do it, but that's what you had to do because it was a barn. You had to clean it up. A few years later, I was probably about 13, 14 years old, we moved to South Georgia. And in Georgia, there was not so much animal farms as there were crops. And uh, when we first moved to Georgia, I remember thinking, oh my gosh, look at it was just acres of corn and soybeans, tobacco and cotton. There was everything you could imagine. And these farmers would get out with tractors that probably wouldn't fit in this building. There were huge tractors. And, and they would be pulling these, these big old things down through the field. And I don't know what they was called, but it looked really cool. And they would just be, it was farming land, right? It was cool. Well, I remember the springtime, the first spring I was there. And we went driving through a bunch of farms and it smelt terrible. It didn't make no sense to me. I'm like, there's not an animal in, in, in miles. Why does it smell like cow manure out in the middle of this field? 
And they said, well, that's, that's fertilizer. Wait, wait a minute. That's not fertilizer. Uh, yeah, it is. Actually, they buy that to fertilize their field because they're cultivating the fields. I said, you mean they buy cow manure? I didn't, it didn't make no sense to me. I'm, teenager, you know, I'm 13 years old. didn't make any sense to me. I could not understand why somebody would spend money for what I used to throw out. They said that's, they use that because it's valuable. It'll make their fields grow bigger and better. They'll yield more fruit from it. And it just, it, it makes them a lot of money. So they, they invest in it. And God began to speak to me a few days ago whenever I was reading and studying this. And God says, you know, what you think is a waste in your life and what you view as a failure and what you view as stinking manure that you wish didn't happen, God says, if you give it to me, I'll make it fertilizer. I'll make it valuable. I'll make it to where you can yield more fruit. I'll make it to where your life will be more successful at the end than in the beginning. I'll make something fruitful out of your life if you just give your failures to me. You know, religion says, I don't want your failures because we're perfect world, right? Religion will tell you, you got to live perfect or you got to feel like you live perfect. And religion will tell you, you got to have everything together in order to be known as, you know, someone that's close to God because they got everything together. But God says Christian life sometimes are the, are the messiest ones, but God can use them because God ends up getting the glory for it and not us, right? So give your failures to God and he can turn them into fertilizer man that was awesome i like it even if i did say it (laughs) when we give ourselves our messes to him they become valuable a news reporter once asked thomas edison thomas edison he uh created or invented the light bulb said mr edison you failed over 1000 times trying to create this light bulb Mr. Edison, I want to ask you a question. How does it feel to be a failure over a thousand times? Mr. Edison didn't miss a beat, didn't didn't miss a breath. He looked at him. He said, I didn't fail a thousand times. I simply found a thousand ways that the light bulb wouldn't work. I like what what Winston Churchill said. He said, courage is the ability to go from failure to failure without losing your enthusiasm. Courage says, I know I've screwed up last time, but I'm going to try it this way. And when you fall, you say, I get up and I'm going to try it again. And Micah said, when I fall, I shall arise. I'm going to keep on going. I'm going to keep on trying. I'm going to keep on giving it everything I've got. God says that your failures are not final, that he can use you no matter where you've been, no matter what you've done. If you give it to him, he can use it for his honor, for his glory. I want to finish with the, with the, with the story. Uh, in closing, there was a young man who grew up in church. He was saved at 13 years old, started preaching at 15 years old, uh, went full-time in the ministry when he was about 17 years old, 16, 17 years old. And then the rest of his teens and into his early 20s, he just, he just was all out for God. Preached and traveled and sang and just, he was just wanting to be used by God, just wanting to give everything to God. And, uh, and this young man, he began at, at his church that he was at, he fell in love with a young girl. And uh, they began to talk, and this young girl was going through a separation and going through a divorce at the time. And they began to talk, and they began to, uh, they began to talk back and forth, and she was going through a bad time in her life, 
one thing led to another, and they got in a relationship. The young girl got pregnant, and they weren't married out of wedlock. Probably the biggest mess you've ever seen in your life. At one point, the pastor called a meeting, and he sat them both down. And as he looked at them, he said, you know, God will, if you choose this, God will never use you. God can't bless you. God will never talk to you again. If you go this route, you might as well hang it up. It's over. He told the young lady, he said, I want you to know that God is going to kill everybody in your life. And he's going to give you body bags because you'll never be anything for God. And I tell you, religion does that sometimes. So out of fear, not knowing what to do, they left church and they ended up getting out of church and not knowing where to turn, not knowing what to do. They did their best to try to raise the kid for God and try to raise the family for the Lord. And they tried in and out of church and could never get situated, could never get plugged in. In 2017, just about three, four years ago, they got into Grace uh, in Southern Pines, where they heard that God's love is greater than his wrath. And they began to feel that God was calling and God was wanting to use and God was wanting to bless. But in his heart, he said, God can't use me because of what I've done and the failures I've made. Can I tell you, we're here today. Because God says... Your failures are final. And I want you to know there's someone here that needs to know. It doesn't matter what you've walked in the door with. You can walk out because God loves you. And God says it's not over. And God says, I'll give you kids that love to worship. And I'll give you a wife that loves to worship. And I'll give you a family that loves church and that just wants to get involved with what God's doing. Because my failures are not You can get back up again. You can keep on going for God. You can keep on doing what God wants you to do. I can tell you today that the devil is a liar. Religion is a liar. What the church world says is a perfect group of people does not exist. God loves messy people. God loves people that are just messed up enough to say, God, I can't, but you can. And when we get out of the way, he gets all the glory for it. Remember this, God says this about you, you're valuable, you're destined to to greatness, you're blessed, you're purposed, you're whole, you're graced, you're healed, you're redeemed, you're saved, you're accepted, you're called, you're anointed, you're loved, you're highly favored, you're inspired by God. We accept it, we believe it, and we live in it every day. The truth of the matter is this morning, my heart today just wants to talk to somebody. To say, if you want to interview a failure, what the people thinks a failure, I'll sit down with you. Because I know what God can do with messed up people. And today, with every head bowed, every eye closed, brother, if you want to head up this way, we're going to pray for just, a, I'm just going to pray just a minute and I'll turn it over. But if you're here today and you're just discouraged, maybe you're just like, you know what, I, I'm, I'm just done. I can't do it. I can't be good enough. God's not asking you to be. He's just asking you to be surrendered. He's just asking you, would you let me have what you have? Just give yourself. The pastor's wife said it perfectly today. Give your life. Quit living your life for yourself and live the life that he lives for us. And give it over to him. God, we love you. Lord, I'm so honored and privileged to be here to share my story. To share what you've done for me. To share, Lord, your love and to share your goodness and Lord, thank you so much. We bless you. 
we give you glory. We thank you for this opportunity. We thank you for this church. Lord, the Spirit of God that's been here this morning, and Lord, the presence of God that's been in this building. Lord, you are welcomed here, and Lord, we thank you that we get to be a part of it. I pray blessings over your people. I pray encouragement over your people. I pray for a charge and a challenge for the church. Lord, that they'll not just sit that, sit back or sit down and say we're never going to accomplish much, but Lord, that they would charge hell wide open and say for the glory and the honor of God, we're going to do something. We're on a mission. And Lord, we're going to change lives in our city for you, honor for your glory. Bless your people now, I pray in Jesus' name. Brother. Thank you for listening to this message from Cornerstone Community Church. We are located in Lynchburg, Virginia at 525 Old Graves Mill Road. You can find us online at cornerstonelynchburg.com, contact us by email, cornerstonecom at comcast.net, or call us at 434-847-4796. We pray the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you.